And the prodigal son really is the story of all of us that we've fallen from God and tried our own way, but then God, with his fatherly heart, always welcomes us back to himself. So wherever you go in life, always remember that God will always welcome us back. And this morning, Pastor Ben Urbanozo is going to speak to us about Jesus and the prodigal son. Would you welcome up with me, Pastor Ben Urbanozo? Let's welcome him. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Hope Church. I don't know about you, but I, I totally agree with that. There's something about being welcomed home. You know, when I go on vacation, we go to Kona, or when I go to Oahu, when, you come from, when I come back from camps, there's nothing like being back home. And one of, the, one of my favorite parts is when I come home and my wife says, welcome back home, and my girls run up to me and say, Daddy, I missed you. And it's just that it brings warmth to our hearts and souls. And, you know, and for each and every one of us, God wants to welcome you into his home, not, not just here at New Hope Church, but simply as his church. As Dr. Robbins shared, uh, today we're starting a brand new series called Jesus and and the whole series is going to be about how Jesus looks at very, uh, some different topics and how he changes the norm. He changes the status quo. And this morning, we, I'm so excited because we get to kick it off with my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In fact, it's a story about being welcomed home. And for many people, they know this. Or in fact, it's supposedly the most famous parable or story that Jesus ever spoke of. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Now, what are parables? Well, if you look in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, parables were Jesus' way of sharing stories so that people could understand the, the secrets of heaven. In fact, that's what he says to his disciples. He says, that's why I'm speaking parables, is so that others can hear it and then understand the secrets of heaven. And there's none there's none story, there's no story, there's no parable that's way more relatable than the story of the prodigal son. In fact, you find it in Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. And if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open it to that. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. It's actually going to be on the, on the TV screens. And so it says it like this in Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off in a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Well, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a, even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See, I love the, the parable of the prodigal son because not only can I relate to it, but it also relates us to each other. But more importantly, it also reveals God's heart towards us, his children. You see, it's the illustration of being lost and then found. It's an amazing story of God's grace, forgiveness, and love that translates to each and every one of us here today. And while the parable of the prodigal son may just be a story that, in the Bible that Jesus spoke of, there's a reason why he shared it. Whether we're familiar with the story or not, the simple truth is this. The parable of the prodigal son is our story. Because we find ourselves as the prodigal in the parable. And in the same way, Jesus wants, us to, trans- Jesus wants to transform us and transform our lives. This morning, we're going to discover three principles that Jesus reveals in the parable of the prodigal son that leads to a divine moment that he wants us to encounter. In Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus reveals why he actually came to this world. He came to seek and save those who are lost. And so if you're taking notes in your bulletin, there's, there's notes, you can go ahead and bring that out. And the first principle we're going to talk about today is awakening. Awakening. Ephesians 5.14 says it like this, For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Uh, how many of you are morning people? Morning people? I'm a morning people. I love mornings because I, I, I can wake up early, you know, 11 o'clock. <laughs> hey, 11 o'clock is still morning. I'm just saying. See, I, okay, well, I'm not an early morning person. In fact, uh, truth, true question, uh, who touched the snooze button this morning? Right? I trust the snooze button, I think, five times this morning before I woke up. See, me and the snooze button are good friends because the snooze button, although it wants to wake me up, I tell it, no, stop, sorry. Shh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to wake up early. Why? Because I love sleep. How many, of you, how many of you love sleep? Right? Well, I love sleep. I, I mean, because the truth is, especially now having three little girls, uh, it is tiring. Well, I remember a couple of years ago when uh, we just had our two girls. We had Caitlin, who's our oldest, and Brianne, who's our, our middle child. Uh, it was a morning, and I was super tired. Uh, I think it was the weekend, and I had a long night before. I think we had our youth ministry going on, and so I was sleeping, and I was like, I just want to sleep in. I just want to sleep in. I just want to sleep in. And so I'm there sleeping, and uh, Caitlin's in the bed with us. She's sleeping with us. And as I'm sleeping, this is probably around maybe 7 o'clock, I I smell something. Yeah, it doesn't smell good. It smells really stink. And then I realized my daughter, who is, I think at this time, maybe one and a half, maybe two, who wasn't potty trained yet, she just made doo-doo in her diaper. So I'm in the the bed, and I, I can smell it. And if you have kids, you know that smell very well. And so I'm thinking, if I can smell a doo-doo diaper, that means there's going to be something that's going to come next, which is the changing of the diaper. And so I did what what any responsible, loving husband and father would do. I told myself, you're staying asleep. You are staying asleep. You're not going to open your eyes. You're not going to say anything. You're going to just keep your eyes closed, put your head on that pillow, and just sleep. And so I'm trying to force myself to stay asleep, but I can hear Katie and Caitlin starting to move around. I can hear Katie start to say, oh, Caitlin, did you make doo-doo in your diaper? And, and then I hear the, babe, babe, uh, you get up. You got to change Caitlin's diaper. And so I responded by, <laughs> I started snoring loud, like super loud, so I couldn't hear her. And I can only can hear her going, babe, babe. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. You need to change Caitlin's diaper. And I can hear Caitlin going, dad, dad, dad. Uh, 
know, you know that fake, like, I'm not really sleeping, but I'm going to act like I'm sleeping so that you, bo- you don't bother me anymore. And I can hear Katie keep going, uh, babe, hurry up, wake up, wake up. And all of a sudden, that smell got really strong. Because Caitlin and her doodoo diaper was now on my head. <laughs> and it was at that moment, I couldn't fake it anymore. I woke up because I was disgusted. <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay, okay, I'll change it. And I got up, I changed her diaper, made her clean. I was like, oh, I can't go back to sleep. Oh, that was such a rude awakening. Like, for real. Like, I was like, oh, what is that smell? What is on my head? And it was Caitlin. You see, a lot of us, we like to sleep. And why do we like to sleep? Because we like to dream. We're enamored by the fantasy. And you know, it's true in the prodigal, the, the prodigal son. He was enamored by the fantasy of the distant land. He was, in, he was enamored by the wild living. You see, and just like the prodigal son, we do that too. We pursue the distant country and we enjoy the wild living. We'll live our lives doing what we desire and what pleases us rather than the Father. You know, there's a, there's a company a couple years ago, um, local company, and it had a very, uh, like it was a Hawaiian word, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that word was, I didn't know that was Hawaiian, um, but it was actually a phrase. And some of you know it. It was, I no care. And the tagline was, I no care, I do what I like. And like, for me, I, th- I look at it like, that's, a lot of times that's me, but there's another, there's another slogan added onto it. It's, I no care, I do what I like, even if I'm wrong. And I think sometimes that's, that's how we are. That's, we're, we we want to we do what we want. We want to do what we like, even if it's wrong. Because for many of us, we've been there. We've abandoned our Father in search of fulfillment in something else. And what do I mean by that? For example, it's like this. Wanting financial stability. So we choose to work and work and work and work and work. And then we end up neglecting our families. We want to find comfort and pleasure. So we'll turn to drugs, turn to alcohol, turn to pornography. We want, we want to feel loved and accepted. And so we'll give ourselves to whoever promises to love us, no matter how many times it breaks our hearts. You see, life away from the Father will always end up empty. Life away from the father will always end up empty. The prodigal son learned this. I mean, he spends all his money. In fact, the Bible actually says that when he asks his father for his estate, what he's actually saying is, Dad, before you die, I want what's, what's coming to me. Like, the inheritance I'm supposed to receive from you when you die? No, 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 I don't want you to die. I, I don't want to wait for that. I want it now. And then he takes all of it, and he goes, and he spends it all in foolish living, wild living. And then... As soon as his money runs out, a famine hits the land. And then the prodigal son finds himself in need. He finds himself no longer asleep in the fantasy, but now he's trapped in the nightmare. And this is where the Bible says in Luke 15, 17, when he came to his senses. This is where the prodigal son is awakened, not just to the situation he's in, but also where the path will lead him. When when he says, when he says he came to his senses, he realized that the path he's on is not good. That the path he's, what, that he's on is going to lead somewhere. And the Bible actually says in Romans 6.23, where that path will lead to. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, there's a saying that says, sin always takes you further than you want to go. Keeps you longer than you want to stay and costs you more than you ever thought you would pay. You see, the cost of the distant land and wild living is death. And this is where Jesus calls attention to the principle of awakening. He's trying to get our attention so that we don't continue down the path of destruction and despair that will ultimately lead to death. And this is where the prodigal son finds himself, poor, hungry, smelling like pigs, and you know, sometimes we'll come to our, what will make us come to our senses is the pain that we 
we experience as we deal with the consequences of our actions. And many of us, we know that. If you put your hand on a hot stove, burn. It's consequences. But did you know that we can also be awakened by the revelation of the Holy Spirit that he wants to collide with our lives. He wants to collide with our lives and replace that emptiness with wholeness. Romans 12.2 says it like this, and do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And here's here's what he's trying to say is this, you don't have to just wait to experience pain to, to be awakened. You can be awakened to the fact that, hey, maybe instead of me trying to find happiness in, in riches and trying to work and, and, and neglect my family, that maybe if I, find, if I just remember to, that God is my provider and I pursue him, then, then I won't have to experience emptiness because he's going to fill me. That maybe instead of me trying to find pleasure and, and, and joy in worldly things, in, in things that I know are not good for me, if I pursue that in Christ, then, then I'll be filled, I'll be whole, and I won't have to experience any pain. And that only comes when, when, when the Holy Spirit is revealed and he wants to, coll- and listen, every single moment the Holy Spirit wants to collide in our lives. He wants to transform us. And here's the truth too, you don't have to wait to hit rock bottom. You don't have to wait to hit rock bottom in order to be awakened. Listen, God is, not up in, God is not in heaven going, hey, listen, I want you guys to go through a lot of pain, a lot of despair, a lot of destruction so that you come to me. He's not doing that. He wants us to come to him before that happens. He's not waiting for us to experience destruction and despair. He wants us to experience him far before that. He wants to awaken us. In fact, 2 Chronicles 36, 15 says it like this. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. When it says rising up early, it actually means that God, before everything, all the battle was about to happen, God was sending warnings to his people saying, listen, listen, pay attention, wake up, wake up, wake up. Let me ask you this morning, what is it going to take for you to wake up? I remember a couple of years ago, a bunch of me and my friends, we were going over to Kona, and this is uh, before Top Road looked really nice and was all, you know, safe. And so we're riding in our car, and it's me and a bunch of my friends, and me and my friends aren't small, we're big, and we're in this little car, yeah? Like, you have all these big guys, all these big brothers, and we're riding in one, like one coupe, like one small little compact car. And so we're riding, and our friend is in the back, is, in the, is, in, is following us in his own car, and so we're driving on top road. And so me and my friends, we're, we're all laughing, we're playing, we're eating, we're all playing music, all this and that, and we're all kind of just enjoying the time. We're just, we're getting lost in each other's company in the drive, on the drive to Kona, on the top road. And all of a sudden, as we're, as we're they're talking, we hear our friend in the back beep his arm, beep! And all of a sudden, I see my friend who's driving do this. And the car goes, whoo. I was like, oh, what was that? And so I look in the back. I look in the rear mirror. And my friend in the back is going like this. I was like, what? I was like, and so I looked. And right there's the cliff. And I'm looking at my friend going, bro, did we almost just die? And he's like, no, no, we're good. I was like, so why did the kind beat the horn then? He's like, I don't know. He's just making sure that we drive safely. I'm like, so if he had to beep the horn so we drive safely, are we driving unsafely? And I'm like, he's like, no, 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 I'm in control. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you right now, this is not control. This is the universal language for this is not control. This is, I'm getting back on the right lane. And so we get to Kona, and as soon as we get out, our friend that's following us in the car, he's like, bro, you guys are literally this close to going off the edge. I look at my friend, I'm like, are you trying to kill me? And he's like, no. I was like, brah, you try to kill me every time I ride with you almost. Like, seriously, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta start driving my own self. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord sounding the horn in your life right now? Because if he is, 
you might be close to the edge. You might be in danger. Listen, God is going to do the best he can to sound all the alarms to wake you up because he doesn't want you to miss out on the life he has for you. The second principle we're going to learn this morning is honesty. Honesty. John 8.32 says it like this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, honesty and truth brings us back to reality. Honesty and truth breaks down the facade that, that we can build up in our lives. Has anybody um, played virtual reality like recently? No? Well, if, for, for those of you guys, there's a place in the mall that they do virtual reality, but uh, Katie's uncle actually has a virtual reality set. And so you put on this headset, and then you have these joysticks, and you play. And it's crazy because you put on the, you put, as soon as you put on the goggles, you're in a whole new world. And so I remember uh, her cousin's like, hey, you got to play this game. It was a zombie game. And so he was like, hey, you got to play this game. You got to put on the goggles. So I put on the goggles, and it's kind of creepy. Like, it's, it's kind of creepy. It's, and, there's, and you have to put an earphone so you, you hear the, the really eerie music. And then he says, okay, so what you have to do is you have to, you have to beat up the, the zombies. Okay? So I'm like, okay, so what are I doing? So he's telling me. So he goes, okay, ready, go. So I'm okay. And I just start going at it because it seems real. So I'm like, ah, 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 and I'm going at it in the living room. Yeah? And then as soon as I take it off, I realize that my wife Katie was recording me the whole time. And so I told Alexi, and it's, 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 it's ridiculous because I'm in the living room and I'm going full speed at it. I'm beating up the air. I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like, wait, that's not, that's not what I saw in, in, in the stuff. But the truth is, it also wasn't reality. Because the reality was, I wasn't beating up zombies. I was beating up air. I wasn't doing anything except look really ridiculous. And you see, that's the thing about being honest and truthful. Honesty and, tru- honesty and truth brings us back to the reality we actually live in. You see, that's true for the prodigal son. And not only that, but you see, when we're honest and truthful, we understand that it's easy to be honest when it comes to others. Like, isn't, don't, you, don't you agree? Like, it's so easy to be honest and say, oh, that person, that person needs Jesus because they're going through some stuff. Oh, that, oh, that's not good. It's easy to be honest about others, but when it comes to ourselves, it's hard. When it comes to being honest with ourselves, we often look past the speck in our own eye. See, it's easy to buy into the lies that we tell ourselves. But lies will never lead us back home. Lies will never lead us back to the Father. In fact, all it will do is lead us further and further into the distant country and keep us there. I mean, think about it. Ah, you're already working hard. Just, just stay another hour. Oh, it's okay that it's your daughter's uh, program or your son's baseball game. It's okay. They'll understand. No, it's okay. Hey, it was a rough day today. Drink a beer or two or 12 or 24. No, it's okay. Hey, you and your wife are having problems. It's okay to log on the computer and look at some stuff. See, lies will keep us in the distant country and and we'll never get back until we deal with the truth. See, the prodigal son eventually embraced being brutally honest about the situation he was in and his actions that caused it. When he found himself so hungry that the food he was feeding the pigs looked like a four-course meal, he couldn't lie to himself anymore. He understood that he messed up. In fact, that's why it says in Luke 15, 18 to 19, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. See, when he was at his lowest moment, he experienced an honest moment. And for me, I remember a couple years ago, I experienced an honest moment. Now, to be honest, I'm an only child. And to be honest... I have the, the characterization of being an only child because I am spoiled. I'm a spoiled brat. 
I grew up just with me and my mom, and my mom just showered me. She just uh, let me have anything I wanted and spoiled me. And she did it throughout my childhood, and truth be told, she's still doing it today. Well, a couple of years ago, I asked her, uh, I was going to Oahu for, uh, for something, and, and uh, I asked her if I could borrow her credit card. Yep. And this is how spoiled I am, for those of you who are wondering. When I meant I asked her for her credit card, I didn't actually ask for her credit card. I asked for the credit card that she gave me that had my name on it. Because she gave me, she had a, my own credit card. And so I asked her for it, and she said, yeah, sure. But, but the truth was, I actually already had it. Because I had asked for it months ago, I just never gave it back. And I had spent stuff, and I told her about it. I told her I had spent stuff on it. And so we go to Oahu, and I'm buying stuff. And I get a phone call. And it's from my mom. And in the 31 years that I've been on this earth, I've never once experienced a moment like that with my mom. I answer the phone, and, and on the other line is my mom, and she's crying. And she starts asking me, what did you do with the credit card? What are all these purchases that are, that are made? And so I'm trying to explain it to her. I'm trying to say, Mom, you know, you know I, I, I had the credit card. You gave it to me earlier, and I, I spent the money. I told you about it. But I also spent, I also had it for this trip, so I, I spent money. And long story short, uh, she was like, did you, were you lying to me? Were you, were you holding it back and all this and that? And I, I told her, no, I wasn't. But I had hurt my mom. And for as long as I can remember, I don't think I've ever had this happen, but my mom hung up on me. And when I tried calling her back, she didn't answer. Called her back again, she didn't answer. I kept calling her back until my stepdad answered the phone and said, Mom's mad. You, you have to give her a day. And there's never been a, a moment where that's ever happened. I mean, I made my mom mad, but never to the point where she won't even talk to me for a day or two. And I'm in Oahu at this time. And so finally I come home, and it was at that moment where God was like, you're, gonna, you're about to experience an honest moment with your mom. And I was like, okay, I got to admit. And so I came to my mom and said, Mom, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you felt deceived. I didn't mean to do that. I did tell you, but here's my credit card. You do with it whatever you want, and I will pay you back for it. And so she took the card, and she said, and so we kind of talked, and then she, she cut up the credit card. And I didn't care about the credit card. I cared about her. But it was at that moment where I had to be honest with myself was, I cannot and I will not take advantage of my mom. Even if I, like I, because I was telling myself, I didn't take advantage. I, I told her. And I told myself, okay, from the, I was honest with myself. I said, listen, you cannot be the spoiled little brat anymore. You got to stand up and be a grown man. That's what I did. And so was, the beautiful thing is that me and my mom that night after all that happened, after all the tears were cried because I was a wreck, we talked it out and she said, I love you. And I told her, I love you too, mom. I'm sorry. I made a mistake and I will never do it again. And to this day, I haven't. You see, we got to have honest moments with ourselves. Because I could have easily said, ah, you know what, my mom gonna, my mom going to forgive me. My mom's, I'm, I'm, I'm mama's boy, and, and I'm the only child. What, what, she cannot be mad at me forever. I have to be honest with myself and say, listen, you, you messed up. I'll make it right. And that's the thing for us. We, we have to have those honest moments where we're before God and say, listen, God, I got to be honest with you. I got I to gotta be willing to, to let it all out. You see, 1 John 1.9 says it like this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from our unrighteous, all unrighteousness. You see, being honest reveals the problem because normally it's our rebelliousness, it's our disobedience, it's our foolishness that leads us to sin. And when we're, at, when we're in sin, the only thing that's going to get us out is repentance. Repentance is walking away from sin and walking towards God. Repentance turns our heart, our compass, back to the Lord. And when we're honest about ourselves, we can move from regret to repentance. And that's what happens with the prodigal son. He realizes that he made a mistake, and he wanted to walk away from the pig pen back to his father. He not only focuses on what he was responsible for, but he also takes responsibility for the consequences that's going to come. 
And I think for many of us, we know that there are things that we're doing in our lives that isn't pleasing to our Father in heaven. We might be here this morning and maybe we're in the same situation as the prodigal son and we're saying, I've sinned, I missed, I've messed up and I did all these things and, and right now, maybe it's the prime time for you and, you and the Lord to have an honest moment by applying the honest principle. If you look in your bulletins, there's a, there's a second sheet it looks, and it just has lines. It looks like this. And there's no other notes except for lines. And here's what I want to encourage you to do right now. I, know we, I don't think we've ever done this in service. But I'm going to give you a minute. And I want you to have an honest moment with the Lord. And I want you to write down, maybe there's things that you've sinned. Maybe there's mistakes that you made. Like for me, when I do this, because I do this often, especially when I pray. I, a lot of times when I pray, I give the Lord a whole list of why he shouldn't love me. I give him a whole list. And then there's also times where I, I write down, Lord, this is why you should love me. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you that one minute, and I want you to write down whatever it is. Be honest with yourself and the Lord. Go ahead. You have one minute, and I'll do it too. And it's not for the person next to you to, to judge. It's between you and God. If you wrote it down, if you're still writing, you can go ahead and keep writing. But uh, I'm going to ask that you hold on to it, and we'll get back to it later. You see, without honesty, we're going to shortchange the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. And with honesty, we can experience the freedom that God gives us to walk away from our past and its mistakes. And the last principle that Jesus wants us to learn is action action. John 13, 17 says it like this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. For all the football fans here this morning, let me give you a scenario. It is the Super Bowl. Your team is in the Super Bowl. Your favorite team is in the Super Bowl. It is fourth quarter, 10 seconds left in the game. Your team is down a touchdown. They're on the three-yard line. You have the ball. You see, you see on TV, your, 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 team has, uh, your team is in the huddle, your quarterback is calling the play, they break, and they, mark on the, they go on the line, and they're getting ready. This is the last play of the Super Bowl. If they make it, they win. If they don't, it's over. No more timeouts left. And so you're there, you're watching the game, you're sitting down, or maybe you're standing up like I would be, and I'm like, okay, come on. And so you see them snap the ball. The ball gets snapped, quarterback takes it, and he does absolutely nothing. He does absolutely nothing. He just stands there with the ball and just stands there, allowing the defense to come and tackle him. He fumbles the ball, game over. Now, I'm pretty sure if you're like me and you watch that happen, if you're a football fan, you'd be yelling at your TV screen, like, what are you doing? Why did you throw the ball? Come on, do something. And then, you, you know, you'd either be really happy if you're the opposite team, but you'd be, you'd be going crazy. You know, the funny thing is, a lot of times, we do that. We do absolutely nothing. We don't take action. And you know what's interesting about this scenario is, your team could have had, your team could have made five touchdowns that day. Your team could have had, your, your quarterback could have had the best stats ever in the history of the NFL. But they didn't end. Because they didn't take action at the very end. They didn't win. See, I think for a lot of us, if we could be truthful, it's if we don't take action, everything else is meaningless. See, it's the same with the story of the prodigal son. See, the prodigal son, he spends all his money. 
ends up poor, ends up starving severely. He's awakened to the fact that this wasn't the life he wanted. He has an honest moment about the situation he's in, what he's done, and what needs to happen next. And then the Bible says in Luke 15, 20, so he got up and went to his father. You see, many of us here will have an awakening. We'll hear the alarms and we'll wake up. Some of us here will be honest with ourselves. We'll be honest about what we've done or the situations that we're in. But not all of us will take action. And it's here that we get stuck. You see, we can have the Holy Spirit convict us. We can have, we can have that understanding of, man, I'm doing wrong. I've got to change my life. But if we don't do anything, it's meaningless. I mean, we know the dangers. We know what needs to be done, but we just can't or willing to do it, to do it. We'll say things like, it's so complicated. It's not easy. And while the truth is, yes, that it's not always easy, it's also not complicated. It just takes courage. It takes courage to take action for our lives. Listen, no one can live our lives for us. No one can, tell, can do what God wants to do. No one can do what God is calling us to do, except for us. It's not easy, but neither is life. I tell this to our youth all the time. Listen, your parents may, tell you, may come to church every single week. They might want you to know Jesus. They might want you to have a relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you, the only person that can determine if you have a relationship with Jesus is you. You have to be the one to take action. You have to be the one to decide. You have to be the one that accepts him. You can, come, you can do all the other things, but, but if you don't take action, then everything else is meaningless. And I, I get it. Sometimes, we, sometimes the reason we don't do anything is because life is still good. Sometimes we don't take action because we haven't gotten caught yet or we haven't been dealt with the consequences yet. Even though we know it's wrong and we shouldn't be there. Let me tell you this morning. A life far from the Father will always be hit by a famine. A life far from the Father will always be hit by a famine. Don't wait for it to happen to do something. Uh, Just this past year, I finally decided that I was going to actually... Uh, be a part of the bariatric surgery uh, program to lose weight. And the truth is, uh, it's not my first attempt to lose weight. I've been trying to lose weight for the last 20 years, ever since my mom introduced me to Big Macs. <laughs> I mean, I've tried everything. I've tried diets. I've tried uh, exercising. I've, did, I've done a lot. And truth be told, even bariatric surgery, they've been telling me to be part of the program for years. But I, I finally decided that this past, this, uh, this past year, I'm going to be part of it. I'm actually going to do it because I'm in my 30s, and the only one that can lose weight for me is me. And it's not easy. They keep hammering that to us. This is not easy. It's a lifetime thing. And I realized that because I remember being a kid in elementary and my doctor, who's brutally honest with me, looked at me and said, listen, if you don't lose weight, you're going to end up like your father. My father, I, never, I don't have a memory of my father. I don't have a, I don't have a moment in my father because my dad died before I was born because of a heart attack. And that would always play back in my head. And so here I am finally understanding that, listen, the only person that can lose weight for me is me. The only one that can do something for you is you. You have to be willing to take action. You have to be willing to say, okay, Lord, you're, you're convicting me of this. I got to be honest. I know it's wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take action. Is it easy? No. It's, never, it's, it's, it's almost never easy. But listen, it is not complicated. We complicate it because we give it excuses. It just takes courage. In fact, in Ezra, it says it like this. Ezra 10.4 says, rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you, so take courage and do it. I think for a lot of us, including myself, we choose not to act because of fear. What if I fail again? What if it doesn't go the way I want it to? 
What if I'm not accepted home? What if all I am is this? We allow fear to settle in and it paralyzes us. And so we'll stay in the pig pen, knowing that this isn't the life that God wants for us and that we've made mistakes. A lot of times we'll make excuses like, maybe when I have more money, maybe when I have more money, I'll be able to spend time with the family. Or maybe when the stress and chaos of my life kind of dwindles down, I'll stop going to the bars. Or maybe when I get myself together, I'll go to church. We stall because we think that only when life gets better or I fix myself, then I can take action. But do you notice what happens in the story of the prodigal son? Do you notice that he doesn't stop to make excuses? In fact, here's what happens. He realizes, he's awakened. He says, I've come to my senses. He says, Father, I have sinned. And then the Bible says it like this, that he got up. He didn't wait for the next day. He didn't wait for the next week. He didn't wait for the next year. As soon as that happened, it was one whole movement. It was one whole motion. He was awakened, he was honest, and he took action just like that. He didn't wait. See, the Holy Spirit never says later. The Holy Spirit will never say something to you to do now, and they go, later. He never does that. He applies the principle of taking action and instantly gets up and makes his way to the Father. And let me tell you, this is perhaps my favorite part of of the parable because once the son takes action, he then sees the actions of his father. I love it because here he is. Here's here's the son, the younger son, the prodigal son. He understands, I got to go back home. So he makes his way back home. And as he's walking there, still smelling like pigs, you got to remember that. He didn't shower. He instantly went back home. He's all smelly. He's all stink. He's probably all ta- uh, tattered and, and worn out. And he's making his way. And he's, as he's making his way, his father sees him. And what does the father do? He runs to him. The father runs to the prodigal son. See, once the son took action, he then saw the actions of his father running to him. What was, what was so amazing is that the father doesn't run to his son, see him all the time, and go, oh, hold on, hold on. You need to take a shower because you smell like pigs. He doesn't say, oh, hold on. You, you know what? I'm going to hug you. I'm going to love you, but you got to get my money back or you got to get a better job. No, he runs to his son. He embraces him and kisses him. Why? Because he loves his son. The son would have never experienced that if he didn't take action. If he had stayed in the pig pen, he would have never experienced that. Let me ask you this morning, what are you waiting for? What is stopping you from taking action? See, the parable of the prodigal son has three principles that Jesus wants us to discover. God wants us to be awakened. He wants us to come to our senses of what's happening in our lives and the path that we're on. He wants us to be honest about what we've done because when we're honest with ourselves, we confess our sins and mistakes to God, others, and ourselves. And when we do that, we experience freedom from our past. And lastly, he wants us to take action. He wants us to get out of the pig pen, out of the muck, out of the dirt, and come back to him. See, what's so fascinating about the story of the prodigal son is that it's not even about the prodigal son. It's not even about the older son. It's all about the father. Because it's about the love of their dad. Because it reveals the love of our father. Take a look. When there's there's an awakening, there's honesty and action, There's a divine moment that God wants you and I to encounter with him. If you take the first letter of each of those points, it spells something. It spells aha. And that's the moments that God wants us to encounter with him. That aha moment could be for you to trust in God as your provider for your needs and the needs of your family and loved ones. That aha moment could be to find peace in the Lord rather than materialistic or worldly things. And maybe for you this morning, the aha moment that God wants us to experience is the fullness of his love. 
that it's not about what you've done wrong in the past or even what you're doing right in your lives now. That we are loved by God simply because he loves us. Romans 8 says it like this, and I love this scripture. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. Because it reminds us that there's nothing. When the Bible says nothing, it means nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I want you to do, if you wrote something down during that honest moment, I want you to bring out your list. This is what mine looks like. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you have a list like mine. Maybe you have things saying, Lord, I have this in my heart. Dealing with this. I'm too messed up for you to love me. I shouldn't shouldn't be loved by you. If you think about it, that was the heart of the prodigal son. When he said, Father, I sinned. I sinned against you and I sinned against heaven and I don't deserve to be called your son. But like I said, the story of the prodigal son isn't even about the son, it's about the father. And let me tell you right now, as you hold your list in your hand, whatever you wrote on it, this is what your father thinks of it. So I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Take your list. Because when it comes to God, our Father, he doesn't see a list. He doesn't see the right or the wrong things that we've done in our lives. He doesn't need the excuses. He doesn't need the reasonings. all any of it because he just wants you so take your list rip it up and leave it on the floor I mean it (laughs) probably like what well no take your list rip it up and leave it on the floor and when you leave here today you may leave here still feeling like the prodigal Believe knowing that the arms of your father are wide open. And he's saying there's nothing you could have done or couldn't have done to change the way I love you. There's nothing that you could do that I would never say this to you, that I love you and I welcome you home. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and and Father, we just, we thank you for the, pro, the parable of the prodigal son. Because Lord, for many of us here, we relate to it because we're that prodigal. We've made mistakes. We went to the distant land, the distant country. We've done wild living. And we found ourselves in a pig pen. And Lord, maybe that's us here this morning today. That Lord, we realize that what we're doing in our lives isn't what you want for us. It's not your will. And that we want to be honest with the fact that we messed up. But that Lord, we would take action. That we would do something. And the first thing that we can do, Lord, is turn back to you and take a step. There might be some of you here this morning that you are there. That maybe your, your heart is so filled with saying, I, I don't deserve God's love. I, I did all these things. I'm still doing these things. And there's no way. Why would he love me? Well, it's because he simply just does. He doesn't need a reason to love you. 
just loves you because you're his son, because you're his daughter. But he wants you to experience an aha moment with him. And the first thing that we get to do, the first thing that we can do in order to receive that is to receive him as our Lord and Savior, to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so this morning, with everybody's eyes closed and heads wide, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask that you repeat it after me. And although I'm going to say the prayer, you just, you repeat it with everything that you got, with all of you. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose again to give me eternal life, to show me what unconditional love is that comes from my Father in heaven. Thank you for colliding with my life. Awaken me. Help me to be honest and to take action so that I can experience an aha moment with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in your name. You don't have to repeat after me on this part, but with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, can I just ask this? If you said that prayer for the very first time, if you're saying, Lord, I'm a prodigal son and I'm coming back home, that I want to be welcomed back home with you. If that's you this morning, can I ask you to raise your hand and what you're saying is, Lord, that's me. That's me this morning. That, Lord, I messed up, but, Lord, your love for me is far greater than anything I've ever done good. The Lord sees you here. The Lord sees you back there. Right here. Yep, right here. Right here, over here. Yep. The Lord sees your hearts. Lord, I pray that you just speak into their lives and let them know, Lord, that you love them so much. You don't see a list. You don't see reasons. You just love them. That's the story of the prodigal son. And Lord, your arms are wide open. You can put your hands down. And Lord, we just thank you so much that, Lord, you would love us in such a way. Pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just experience an aha moment for today, but, Lord, that for a lifetime, that our lives will be filled with aha moments with you. Lord, continue to do your will in us. We love you. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.